Greetings friends, it's so good to have you here today and to bring the gospel of God's grace to you. We're going to talk about the power of eternal life and the influence that God has on humans through what he has accomplished in Jesus Christ. But before we get into anything, let me just uh, pray and we just open this in prayer. Father, I want to thank you so much that I can stand here today and that I can know your gospel, that I can know your good news, that I can also know that I speak from the power of what you have accomplished in Jesus. Father, thank you that you empower me in such a way that many people can be blessed by this message, <clears throat> that many people can be encouraged in what you have done for us, and that I can communicate that accurately. Amen. Now, before I get into the message, I want to welcome everybody that is watching for the very first time. I would like to tell you that this message will only be about the goodness of God, the power of God, and the love that He has for all of us. It's not going to have its focus on what you need to do to get God to do something for you, or it's not going to have the focus on any self-help program when you try to help yourself in uh, trying to follow some form of principles. It is all about the power of God and the influence of the only eternal being, God, on us, giving us His life. I would like to welcome everybody that slots in on a regular basis. It's so good to have you here and to know that this message has had a impact on your life over a long period of time. It's good to see the fruit of God in your lives. And then I want to, before we get into the message, I would like to testify a little bit about my trip to Uganda. Like many of you know, I've been visiting Uganda recently and I've just, uh, just came back this week and we've had an awesome time in Uganda. I preached there and it was so good to see Hundreds and hundreds of people being impacted by the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The grace of God when people are set free from the law system. It is a powerful truth that the message of the resurrection is a powerful truth that impacts lives greatly. I've preached at a graduation as well as on a radio station and we've been on the national 8 o'clock news uh, where we were just declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, the pastor there that I work with is Pastor Gerald, and it is, uh, he is such a delight to have as a friend, wherein we can just share the same thoughts. We are the same person, just in different skins. And uh, it is wonderful to see how God has brought us together and how we can minister the gospel of grace. The very same message uh, together it is awesome while i'm preaching here it's the same message going out as well he is preaching in uganda and we're going to be together again in january um, where it looks as if we're going to be traveling to india and we will be ministering the gospel there together and obviously i will invite him to come down to south africa and zambia and i think there's a lot of work that we will do together it is a wonderful friendship that we've got and this message of grace is impacting the world amen so uh you know if you are in the uganda area uh, just 
check our website you will know when we come up to that area again it will be wonderful to see you at one of our meetings and just to minister the gospel of grace to you well we're going to get into the message for today Uh, i'm going to continue to speak on the on, on romans you guys know that we are busy talking about romans and last week we tried to do a live stream from uh, uganda but the internet there is really not up to standard so i broadcasted a message that i preached in 2014 about five years ago uh, on the wrath of god and uh, i mean <coughs> many times when you look at some of your old messages you realize we can change a little bit here or change a little bit there but I would say most of that message, maybe a little tweak here or there, uh, uh, was just absolutely outstanding. And it, it blessed me because just before I'm doing this message, I just watched that old message again. And it's so good to know that the wrath of God is not about God being angry and that he wants to kill anybody. So that message was on the wrath of God. And I think it locks in well with what we're going to talk about today. Because as we're going through Romans, we are now in Romans uh, 18, where it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So uh, we're going to now take the message of the wrath of God and link it in to what Paul is trying to communicate here in Romans chapter 1. Because Paul is, he is laying down the wrath of God and what the wrath of God is to make a point. He's not trying to teach on the wrath of God. He's not trying to give a good explanation on what the wrath of God is. He is basically talking from perspective wherein he uh, knows that everybody understands wrath and what wrath actually is and what the wrath of God is. And he also explains how the wrath of God is revealed to make a certain point. And the point that Paul tries to make is that salvation is only by faith and it is for all people who believe in God. <clears throat> that's the point that he's trying to make. And that's what we have seen in Romans chapter 1 all the way through. Now, let us read from verse 16 and we just pick it up from there. And then we're going to go and lay a foundation again of what he tried to say when he said the just shall live by faith. And then uh, verse 18, the big word there is the first word in verse 18, which is the word for, uh, which basically further explains the passage in Romans 7, which says the just shall live by faith. Now, before we get into that, let us just read these two passages. It says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, which is in the gospel of Jesus being the Christ, is the righteousness or the goodness or the fact that God is not a liar revealed from faith to faith, As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, there's some things here that's very important to understand. Um, 
the first thing is that first thing we need to understand is that the whole gospel is about eternal life and God giving eternal life as a gift to all of us. That is what the gospel is about. The good news unto Adam was, Adam, through me you can have eternal life. Through me you can have eternal life. That was the good news to Adam. The good news to uh, Noah was, through me you can have life. The good news to Abraham was, through me you can have eternal life. And he said it this way, that in you will all the nations be blessed. And then Abraham believed God, and it was then accounted to him for righteousness. You know, I've just remembered that my phone is not on flight mode, and I don't want to want it to ring while I am preaching here. So I just want to put that off. So Abraham believed that he believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What was the message to the Jews? If you believe me, you'll have a promised promised land. Or in other words, through trusting me, you can live forever. I'm the eternal God. Trust me and you live forever. The message that we had from the beginning to Adam was that God gives eternal life as a free gift. But we also see that there is some negative part to it. The negative part is, should you try to live by your own power, what we today would call law righteousness or unbelief in God or standing in the solitude of yourself or trying to mix your own power with a little bit of God's power, trying to mix these things in, you will surely die. So God said, through me you can have eternal life, but if you don't believe in me, if you don't trust in me, and you want to stand in the solitude of yourself, only trusting on your own ability, then you're not going to make it. That is what God said. And that is the simplicity of this. We then know that the devil came and he told Adam and Eve that God is a liar. That God does not tell the truth. And the devil came and he was actually the liar and lied to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve then did not believe God, but they believed the devil. Meaning that they made God out to be a liar. They said that God lied. He is not the only source of eternal life. I can have life I by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I will not surely die. I am an eternal being in my own power, and I can stand by my own power. And they made God out to be liars. They knew the truth, which was that God is the only source of life. But then they uh, kept that truth in unrighteousness. What that means is they didn't believe God, and they said, well, God is a liar. We know what God said. We know the truth that he spoke, but we choose not to believe him. We're going to believe something else. And they basically put God in the category of liar and themselves and the devil in the power of truth. And then we found that God was not a liar and that he always spoke the truth. And we found the truth of God manifesting and the truth that God spoke manifesting in man in that man was then starting to die. Uh, so God was never a liar. He always spoke the truth. He said what he said from the beginning is even true today. The truth is, by your own power, I cannot do it. 
you can try and try and try until you die, but by your trying, you're not going to make it. It's only by the grace of God. That is the only way we can make it. So what he's saying here in Romans 1.16 is that he says, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus being the one that conquers death and give us life. That is what we call the gospel of Christ. He says, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now, uh, when we look at salvation, salvation needs to be defined. What is salvation? Salvation is defined in Romans 17, uh, 1 verse 17 there. It says that those, uh, um, that the righteousness of God or the truth that God is the one that saves from death and gives life is revealed by people believing in God. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. It says here, everyone that believes shall be saved. So if belief brings salvation, and in the context of verse 16, it says that um, belief brings, uh, brings life, it means that salvation is the redemption from death. That is what it is. It is not complicated. It is not uh, uh, difficult it's very simple God told Adam in the beginning Adam if you want to live forever trust me I am the only source of eternal life Adam did not believe God he believed the devil and he thought that he was also a source of eternal life in himself and by his own doing and his own hard work and laboring and toiling that he can also be a God in himself. He soon found out that God was speaking the truth and death settled in. This death that started to settle in was then uh, a big problem because it brought forth what we would call the fruit of the flesh or sins in the lives of the people as a, 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 a proof of the, basically what we could call the, um, God not being present in their lives. Although God was there, God was always around man, the power of God that brings forth life was not seen inside man. Okay, so it says here in verse 17, let us just wrap this whole thing up, that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, which is to give people life, as is written, the just, those people who are right, shall have life by believing in God, meaning that justice is defined or justification or righteousness is defined in believing God and not in your own hard works, neither in ethnicity or anything like that. Now it goes on. Now we need to see the context here. The righteous shall live by faith, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, the word wrath there, I want to um, just read to you one of the uh, meanings of the word wrath. It, it simply means to, be, uh, to, to have God not present. To be given over unto something which, you, which God warned you against by God. So the word wrath, and we did talk about this in our previous 
broadcast a lot. It talks about a reaching or a desire or a total giving over. It is also seen as vengeance or anger. It simply means to give someone over. That's one of the meanings, to give someone over. That's where it comes from. So we're talking about the when we say that life comes by belief in God, for the wrath of God or the proof that God is not present is seen in people that held the truth which is that you can only live by the power of God in unrighteousness saying, I'm not going to believe God. So what he's basically saying is that uh, the just will have life by believing in Jesus. And we find that Jesus trusted the Father and he had life. He was raised from the dead. How? By having faith in the Father. And we who believe in Jesus shall also have life by simply trusting in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and believing in Jesus that is ruling over our sin and death. But those in the Old Testament, and he's referring here to Adam and Eve basically, who took the truth and kept it in unrighteousness, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men. Or another word of against here is in or on or even the word through or over or by or before or into. So what it's saying here is that the wrath of God is revealed in or from heaven in all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So what he's saying is, those who don't trust God for life, and they only believe in their own works, now he's referring to Adam and Eve, and to people in the Old Testament that did not believe in God. He says that the wrath of God, or the absence of God's life, is seen in their actions. That's basically what he's seeing. So the wrath of God is not God coming to kill you. The wrath of God is basically the uh, God not being present in providing life for you. It's like when God said to Adam and Eve, uh, if you eat of this tree, you will truly die. And then he said, uh, man was put out of the garden where he was now standing in the solitude of himself. And God said, we will not give eternal life to man in this condition. We talk about the, I don't know if it's the right word, uninvolvement. God not being involved as the source of life in those that decided to stand in the solitude of themselves. That is what it is all about. So the wrath of God is basically God not being involved as the source of your life, but where you are using your own power as the source of your life. That is what the wrath of God is. For the uninvolvement of God in being the source of life is revealed from heaven. It is clearly made visible in seeing the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who don't believe the truth. So God said to Adam and Eve, if you don't have your life only as a free gift from me, but you trust in your own ability. You are going to die. And then when they did that, 
we could see death settling into their lives as the very truth that God was speaking. God told them it's going to happen, and that is what happened. We need to understand that it is not God killing people. Now, back to the Apostle Paul. What is Paul trying to say here? He's trying to make a case and build a case from chapter 1 and this specific verse up to the end of chapter 8, where he's trying to tell people, listen, salvation is not by your works, it's not by ethnicity, it's not by you being uh, God's blue-eyed boy, a Jew, or someone like that. The salvation is found in God giving life to those who believe Him. And those who don't believe in Him and don't trust Him, it's evident that the absence of God's life-giving power is inside them, and we can see it through their unrighteousness, basically through the lack of life in them, wherein they fall into, and this is what it, what it then it goes on, and he was talking about how these people that knew the truth of God and didn't believe God, how they thought themselves to be wise and God not to be wise, looking there at verse 21, uh, and how their foolish hearts were darkened and they became vain in their imaginations, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and then verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible or the immortal God into an image made like corruptible man, uh, and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. So what's happening here, and I will explain verse 23 in depth there, what he's basically saying is that man was the image of God. In other words, man was a being that didn't have eternal life in himself, but is alive on account of God. But then man didn't follow the wisdom of God and then became an image of what is temporal and corruptible. In other words, they became uh, a presence of death in the world. And the truth about God was then revealed from heaven, even inside these actions of death that started to manifest in man after the fall of Adam, things like absolute unrighteousness, sexual immorality, and all those kind of things. And those things, the sexual immorality and all those kind of things, were, was called the wrath of of God. So the wrath of God is not God coming to kill anybody. The wrath of God is a non-involvement of God in being the source of your life through man's rejection of God as the source of his life. It is not God killing anybody. It is man standing in the solitude of himself and now the wrath of God, or what we can say, God not being involved on account of man walking away from God, is now seen in the person through things like hatred, bitterness, uh, backbiting, haters of fathers and mothers, uh, uh, sexual immorality of all sorts, where people are even given over to the power of themselves that men commit commit things with men that is undesirable and that is against nature and woman with woman and so forth. So what's happening here is that Paul is building a case where he is saying, listen, God says the only life you can have is by me. But when Adam and Eve did not believe 
we can see the truth that God was saying from the beginning that should you stand absent from the life of God that you will not be able to live. And we can immediately see decay and this, uh, and, and the, this whole thing of going backwards manifesting in people. And there are many things there. We, we don't have to hammer on homosexuality or any of those kind of things. There are many things that is mentioned uh, up to Romans 1, the end of, of, of Romans chapter 1 there. Things like just anger and drunkenness and, and all those kind of things. Those are signs of man standing in the power of himself. Especially in this case, man as, as in Adam. Sometimes we can look at this just individually. Well, you know, I've got, uh, let's say, a weakness for alcohol, for instance, in my life. That means that the wrath of God is upon me. Well, that is not the true context that Romans has written in here. The true context is basically Adam and Eve. And he's talking about Adam and Eve that had all the truth before them and how they rejected that truth and how the man, Adam, could not, by his own power, uh, bring forth salvation to humanity. And then he basically wants to say that, as we were all in this Adam unto death, Christ has now risen as the Messiah of all people. And since God's principle of faith has been like that from the beginning, all these people that are now in the death that Adam brought can now believe in Jesus, be they Jew or be they Gentile, and they can have life by Jesus Christ as a free gift, not standing in the power of themselves. We need to understand that the law was also given as that which basically emphasizes that man by his own power cannot have life. And we see that in Romans chapter 3, and we will get into that. So, um, let us go quickly and and just explain what took place in Adam and Eve here. It says in verse 20, I, I just want to say this, I mentioned the law thing here quickly because when I talk about the law there, I want every person to know how this is relevant to everyday life. You might say, Bertie, but this is not relevant to everyday life. I think it is most relevant to everyday life. This truth helps me every day of my life. There is not a day, there is not anything, any case, anything in my life that I take on outside of this understanding. The understanding here is I don't have to try and preserve my own life. I know I cannot preserve my own life. The only way my life can ever be preserved is by reliance upon Jesus that rose from the dead and me saying, I'm under your rule, you bring life forth in me. Then, as I believe upon that and trust that what God was saying from the beginning is the truth, I find the presence of God and not the presence of self-willpower, but the presence of God. And it does bring forth life in me. It brings forth peace. It brings forth wisdom in how to handle things. It brings forth wisdom in how to deal with my children, uh, with family, with the ministry, with everything. It brings wisdom forth effortlessly as the root as, as, as God's life is the root of it all. Amen. That's why I think it's very, very important. I've walked in this message for some years now, and I want to tell you it is powerful and does bear great fruit. Let's go to Romans 
And we see what it says there. And then we're going to wrap it up in the last 10 minutes here. It says, For the visible things of Him, from whom the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So what he's talking about here, I believe that he's referring basically to Adam and Eve, and that they were without excuse. They knew everything that had to be known about God, that his eternal power and his Godhead brought everything forth. They understood in in their seen world, which I believe was an archetypal uh, temple as well, and, and that Adam also represented a high priest and a temple and the whole system there. Everything was placed before Adam and he understood that God was saying that all the visible things, even his eternal power and the fact that he is God and the Godhead, the unity in Elohim was laid before him and then he didn't believe it. He just said, I'm not going to believe that. And he believed the lie. Okay. And they were without excuse. They knew exactly what was going on. And it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. What it would mean there is when they knew that God was the only eternal, they did not glorify him as the only eternal. They came and said, we don't need that eternal life to live forever. We shall surely not die. We are also eternal beings in, our, in ourselves. And that is what the church even does today. We say that we are eternal spirits anyway. We're going to either live in heaven or hell, and that's it. But that's not what God says. God says that man can utterly die, but he also says that we can be saved to the uttermost, meaning that we can have the eternal life as portrayed in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ as a free gift, seeing no need to to, to try and preserve our lives by ourselves. Amen. It says you're professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. Um, excuse me, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. So they didn't say, well, God, you are the only eternal. You are the only immortal. And we know that. And from you, we have our source of power. They said, no, we, we, we can also surely not die. And then they weren't even thankful in the fact that God gives them eternal life as a free gift, which I find today as well, many times in church. When we say everything is a free gift, it's not a, a case of thankfulness. It's a case of no way. So you want to tell me I must do nothing? Do you want to say that there is no eternal life in my works, in what I also need to do? Then I say, yes, there is no eternal life in your contribution to God's work in your life. There is no eternal life in anything you do. He is the only eternal, he is the only immortal, he is the only life giver, and you can only trust him. And as you trust him, good works will come forth in your life as a result of life being present with you, not as a source from where you get life. And that is very important. Now, the Bible says here, their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. Why? Because they ate of the tree of wisdom. They said, we are wise in our own power. And then they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into image. So what he was basically saying is that the glory of the incorruptible God, uh, they've changed into the image made like unto corruptible man and of birds and of foolish 
uh, four-footed beasts and creeping things. So what he says here is, man said that he is just like God and God is just like him and that he doesn't need a God. He can walk in the solitude of himself. And it says here, and now it explains the wrath of God. Wherefore, because they said, we will stand in the power of ourselves, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust that was in their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. What this is meaning is that as long as what you believe in God, God will be the one that keeps you from uncleanness and evil lusts and dishonoring of your body and all those kind of things. He was the keeper of it. How? By belief and trust upon him. But when you trust in your own power and not in God, and this is what Romans 7 says, says, when the law came, sin revived and I died. He expresses this clearly as the wrath of God. It says, who changed the truth of God into a lie. What was the truth? The truth was, if you eat of this tree, you will, the wrong tree, you will surely die. And then it says, well, that truth of God is not true. Uh, It is a lie. And then they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. What did they say? We believe in ourselves. We can stand in doing the right thing, living by our own power. And then they didn't believe in God anymore, but they believed in themselves. And they made themselves a God and changed the image of God into the image of a man, saying, well, we are gods in ourselves. We are eternal beings in ourselves. And we're just going to have this eternal life and live it without God. And it says there, therefore God basically was not involved anymore in their lives on account of the evil belief in their own hearts. It is not God withdrawing from man. It is man having another belief, not making use of the life of God. And that's why it is seen as a giving over or an uninvolvement of God. And that is the wrath of God. So what Paul is doing and what he's building on here, uh, if you go and look, he says here that this unbelief then came and was manifested as all unrighteousness and wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness and envy and murder and debate and deceit, malignity, worship, uh, um, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, uh, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in all of them. So what he's saying is, listen people, the truth is revealed. We, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news that salvation only comes by belief in God. For the scripture says we can only live by belief in God. For it's clearly seen that God didn't lie in the beginning and that where he is not involved, that decay comes which is worthy of death, meaning which leads unto death. That's all that he is saying in Romans chapter 1 there. The only point, and, and I'm ending off with this, and this is the point that I want to make today, and then next Sunday we're going to go on, on in chapter 2. The only point that Paul wants to make in Romans 1 verse 18, which says, For the wrath of God is revealed. 
is simply this. Life is by trusting in God and the wrath of God or the not God not being present in our lives leading unto death is revealed in Adam and Eve that did not believe the truth. And we found that this unbelief in the truth brought a decay over all of humanity. That's all that he's trying to say. Paul is simply trying to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for the just shall have eternal life by faith, for it's quite evident that people without God doesn't have eternal life, and that they are dying. And then he just used Adam and Eve as an explanation of how this takes place. So Paul is building a beautiful case here, setting the whole thing up into chapter 2, where he's now going to address those who were also under death, the the Jews, saying to them in chapter 2, basically, listen, you think that now because you've got the law, you're not under a death sentence, and that you can now stand in proud in your own flesh no you are still under a death sentence jew and gentile all people can only be saved by one thing and that is belief in jesus christ and nothing else that is what the case that he is building and then in chapter three we're going to see how he's talking about all people now united in christ now we have life by reliance upon him in how he now resists the evil, how he now brings forth a holy life, where a holy life is not a prerequisite, but where it is a fruit on account of only believing Jesus. That's all. Only believe. So, Beth, you can say, what is the only thing that we must do? The only thing that you must do if you want to do anything is allow Jesus to serve you with the fact that he says, you can only have life through me, just believe me. I was raised from the dead, I am Lord, and I rule with my life over you. Believe it, just believe that, and trust Lambano, grab a hold of, with a purpose to make use of that, say, Father, the life that is in Jesus, I'm available for that, it is true that he was raised, and you rule in me, and that shall manifest in your life. Amen and amen. Let me summarize everything. Romans chapter 1, today we've come to the end of Romans chapter 1. Paul simply comes and says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead, and I've got the good news. This good news is that through belief in Jesus and in God and what is promised from the beginning, those who believe upon him will have eternal life. And that is true, for we have clearly seen the wrath of God, or what we would call the uh, non-involvement, of eternal life in those who say, I separate myself from God and I live by my own power. So we all know, nobody can live by his own power. We can only live by the power of Jesus Christ. And my conclusion is that the wrath of God is basically um, an uninvolvement of eternal life in those who by their own belief don't want to rely upon God, but just rely upon themselves. And that it is not God actively going around killing people it's all about god promising you life and that you cannot have life by your own works because you're just an inherently mortal and not immortal being glory to god i trust this has helped you to understand romans chapter one we went through many messages to get to this point but i trust that this will bless you and set you up for uh, and having a great 
a platform for understanding the rest of Romans. Glory to God. So I will see you again next week as we continue in Romans chapter 2. God bless. Yeah.